children of God. Crying is not a sign of repentance. On the last episode, I talked about Peter's process for preaching. The Bible says that Peter preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the people heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now take note that it did not say that when Peter preached the gospel that the people cried. It said the people were pricked in their hearts and they said something. They did not cry, but they said something. They were so moved. Yes, they were moved. They were so moved. In fact, the Bible says they gladly received the word. They were so moved that they said, What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then they gladly received, the ones that gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls the same day. But I love it that he says they gladly received the word. They both heard it, and then they received it. And again, I, I have to ask you, who are the people today? Who are your people? Where are your 3,000 souls? I'm giving you a chance to answer that. I'm giving you a chance to think about it. Giving you a chance to ask your own self some questions. Because your 3,000 are still out there. They're hungry, they're thirsty. They're waiting on someone to feed them. But we don't serve up the right food. And we are without the living waters. Our fountains are dry and we are barren. And yet the harvest is still plenteous. And yet the laborers are still few because the laborers are at home watching TV. Again, the laborers are watching video games, watching sick, evil, perverted video games on their cell phones and texting 24-7. It's interesting to me how we have a whole lot to say, but very little to say to Jesus. And a lot of times, very little to say about Jesus. We have no talk for him, no conversation at all. And it also says here about the people that Peter preached to. It says, after he told them to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, it says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship 
and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They didn't stop right there. They didn't repent and get baptized and get filled with the Holy Ghost and stop there. It says they continued steadfastly in what the apostles taught them. They continued in fellowship. They continued in prayer. So, sound like something is wrong with what we're doing because we're certainly not doing it this way. Now, let, let's take a look at Paul's, at, at Peter's process. And I, I said Paul, I didn't mean to say Paul, I meant to say Peter, but Paul did the same thing. But let's take a look at the process and see what, they, what Peter did that's different from what we do today. They actually, the people that he preached to, they actually actually heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They heard the word being preached. They were not in the church texting. They were not in the church while the preacher's preaching, watching video games, nudging the person sitting next to them, laughing about something ridiculous. They were not doing any of those things. They were not playing in their pocketbooks. They were not playing with the kids. They were not acting as if they had not seen each other in a week. They were not holding hands and laying on each other's shoulders. Husbands and husband and wives, that is. They were not ooing and cooing over the over the baby. As if they're not going to take the baby home with them. They were not doing anything. It says that they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were not turning to their neighbor over and over again at the place until it's nauseating. They were not doing any of those things. Peter did not do that. Peter did not say to them, Turn to your neighbor and tell them. Peter did not need the, na- the people to help him to preach. They did because the people didn't come to hear their neighbor. They came to hear Peter. They came to hear the sent preacher. They were not all out of order, creating total chaos. They were not doing that. They were not preaching along with the preacher, finishing the scripture before the preacher could get it out of their mouths. That's what we do. The people that Peter was preaching to did not have to deal with any of these things. So they were able to hear the gospel being preached. And preachers today, pastors today, prophets, evangelists, I need you to hear this. Because this right here is killing us. We wonder why we see the decline in the church. We wonder why no one wants the church anymore. They don't want to hear us. Number one, they can't hear us. There's too much chaos in the church. I'm going to repeat it. It says, the people heard. The people want to hear you. They want to hear you preach. They don't want to hear somebody preaching along with you, 
finishing up your sentence before you can finish it. Finishing the scripture before you even get the scripture out of your mouth. A lot of times, even when the preacher is preaching, and he may use the scripture, or he or she may use the scripture, but they don't always necessarily finish that particular scripture for whatever reason they have. But someone out there in the congregation would just go ahead and say the whole scripture. Children of God, that's out of order. Finishing the preacher's scripture before he can even get it out of his mouth, that's out of order. We sometimes we yell out the, the, uh, the verse ourselves. But my question to you preachers, when are you going to put a stop to that improper disorder? Pastors, when are you going to step back and listen to the blatant craziness of that kind of thing? No decently and in order to speak up today. The people that Peter preached to, the people that Paul preached to, were not plagued with this kind of craziness. They were not plagued with this kind of decently and out of order. They were not plagued with that. The Bible says that everything must be done in a proper and orderly manner. But I guess we missed that part. When we don't have decency and order in the church, nobody can hear the preacher. Unbelievers can't hear because of the chaos. The person needing deliverance can't hear because of the chaos. When the preacher is preaching and someone else is preaching along with them, you've got the people's head turning and spinning like a spinning top, not knowing who to listen to. Come on, pastors. Come on, evangelists, preachers and prophets. Come on. Let's put a stop to it. Everything must be done in proper and in an orderly fashion. The people during Peter's time heard the real gospel of Jesus Christ. Not not Peter's private interpretation. Not some newfangled strange doctrine. Not the latest buzzword from the latest conference. They heard the real gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible said. That they heard and received the gospel. They heard and received the real gospel of Jesus Christ. It says, after they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ... The word itself caused their hearts to be pricked. The word itself caused them to react. It did not say the word caused them to cry. The word caused them to react, yes. Because that's what the word would do. The word caused them to feel 
as if their very hearts were being pierced through. That's what that word prick means, pierced through, touched in an extreme way. The word caused their hearts to be pricked because the word itself, according to the Bible, and I believe the Bible is true, the word itself is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the heart. So when Peter preached that word in such a way, did they stand there with their lips sealed? No. The good news of Jesus Christ brought about a spiritual reaction from them. So they had to say something. That's what the Bible says. Is after the people heard it, they gladly received it, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, and then they want to know, wow, what shall we do? After they had something to say, Peter was right there to, to tell them what they should do. Peter was not after tears. Peter was focused on seeing the good news do in them what the good news did for him. It caused him to say something. So he knew that if it caused him to say something, the good news by itself will cause the people to say something. And what they said was, again, what shall we do? Please, I'm beseeching you, pastors, preachers, evangelists, and prophets. I'm beseeching you, let the people hear. Please, stop performing and let the people hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Shaking and wrestling the people down to the floor won't bring the reaction that Peter got. Peter took time, he took his time to answer the question that they asked because that's what he was there for. That's what you're supposed to be there for. They wanted to know, now that I've heard this good word here, what do I do next? That's what they were saying. My question to you is this. You heard what Peter did. What are you in this thing for? If it's not to answer the question of what must I do? What are you in it for? Peter, he fulfilled his obligation to the precious children of God by telling them one thing. You ask me, what shall I do? My answer to you is repent. What's happening to us? Think about what we do when we preach. What happened to us that we can preach a whole hour and at the end of our preaching, we forget to give the people a chance to say, pastor, preacher, 
evangelist, prophet. I heard your word, and I received the word. I gladly received that word. So what do I do from here? Most of the time today, the preachers never even ask whether or not there's anyone here that would like to make Jesus their personal Lord and Savior. Remember how we used to do that? Because that was, that was what, why we were there. That was what, why we were preaching. That's what we came to do. That was our goal. That was the mission. To ask them, is there anyone here that would like to make Jesus huh, their personal Lord and Savior? How many of you remember that? I don't know what you're feeling right now as, as I'm speaking to you. I don't know what you're feeling, but I hope that it's pricking your heart. I hope the remembrance of that is doing something to you. Don't cry now. But I hope it's going to cause you, it's going to prick your heart in such a way that will cause you to say, what am I doing? What am I doing? Remember when church was church? (laughs) This was a long time ago. Remember after we finished preaching, we we called it making the invitation to receive Christ. Remember that? I don't recall ever going to a church, this was a long time ago, when the preacher would finish preaching and he did not make the invitation. That's what we used to call it. Then there was another invitation made. If no one came up to accept the invitation to make Jesus their personal Lord and Savior, If no one came up at that time, there was a second invitation. And that invitation was whether or not there was anyone there that would like to rededicate their lives to Christ. Remember that one? I don't think I even hear anything about rededication today. I know you don't because it's been years since the word rededication was even said, that offer was made a long, long time ago, but not today. That's old and outdated now. Let me just say it for you. Is there anyone here, I'm going to say it the way we used to say it, is there anyone here that would like to rededicate their lives to Christ today? Those were the two invitations that were made. When did we cease from telling people to repent. When did we stop telling people to turn away from their sin in faith and turn to God in faith? Because repentance involves a change of mind. And that's not crying. Repentance is a sincere heart change. Because if I just cry, trust me, 
If I just cry, I'm going to go right back to doing what I did on the way to church. And for sure, I'm going to go right back to doing what I'm planning to do when I leave church. Pastors, preachers, prophets, evangelists, we have an obligation here. We have an obligation to fulfill that calling on our lives. To tell the people to repent. And when you don't make that call, when you don't offer Jesus Christ to them, when you don't make that invitation, when you don't ask, is there anyone here that would like to make Jesus their Lord, that personal Lord and Savior, now that you've heard the word? When you don't do that, you're helping them to go home and continue in that same sin. Because you accept their crying as repentance. You made them think that it was okay for them to just cry. You got your satisfaction, but you left them empty and unfulfilled. When did we stop telling people to repent? When did we stop talking about turning away from sin? When do we stop preaching about there's got to be a change in your life? When did crying become acceptable? What happened? The Bible says this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness but is long-suffering to us, what? Not willing, listen to this, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is that God's good will? Is that his perfect will for us to perish? That's what we have to tell the people. We have to preach to them the good news, not our news, We have to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus himself said, so that all can come to repentance. God wants you to talk about him. Stop talking about yourself. Stop talking about what you have. Stop talking about what you want to have. But talk about him. Preach his news. Talk about what he did for you and what he would do for them. Talk about what he expects from them so that they can be pricked in their hearts. If you preach the right word, if you preach the right gospel, their hearts will be pricked if you do that. But for some reason, You just want the people to cry. Stop it. Stop letting them cry. Stop being all right with them crying and not opening up their mouth saying, Lord, I repent. Stop being okay 
with letting them cry and not saying, Lord, save me, Lord, help me. The Lord is not all right with that crying. Why are you? If that's not all right with God, if that's not the process that he has ordained, why are you doing it, Pastor? Why are you feeling fulfilled, preacher, prophet, evangelist? Why did you say the benediction knowing that all they did was cry? No repentance. In fact, you didn't even mention repentance. Why not? Why not? What are you... I have to say this. What are you in this thing for? Why do you get up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and do the same thing over and over again? And, and reap no benefits from it. All you get are people with a sob story and people crying. You forgot to tell them that God is no longer winking at their sins, but is now commanding all men everywhere to repent. You didn't even mention the word repentance. Are you okay with not even asking them, inviting them to accept Jesus in their hearts? Are you okay with that? Will you please stop accepting their tears? Will you please Stop feeling victorious just because you got tears from them. Just because you saw a tear fall. And if you see one tear, you already know that you're going to continue to preach and preach and preach until their whole face is wet with tears. Stop it. This is not about you. This is about the children of God. It's about God's people. Souls are still the main thing. Or are they? Are the souls the main thing? Are they still the main thing? Again, I ask you, what are you in this for? If souls are not the main thing, then you're in the wrong business. So, until we talk again, I'm asking you, I'm beseeching you to examine your motive and ask your own self, why am I in this thing? And you need to come clean with God, the one who sees all things and knows all things about you. Come clean with him. You repent. Pastors, preachers, evangelists, prophets, you come clean and examine yourself and you repent. Get back to your first love. Do it now. And don't you cry either. Repent for real. Repent for real. Tell God you're sorry. Ask Him to forgive you.
Now give God some praise. Remember, don't you cry. Don't you cry. Crying is not a sign of repentance. Remember? God wants some sincere, I repent from you. Don't just get in position to lift your hands up and say, I give. Okay, I'm done. He wants a sincere change. He wants you to make a conscious, sincere change to repent. And now before I leave you, let me say this. If this particular shoe fits you, then you already know what to do. May God bless you real good. I am the storyteller.